Well, Deion Sanders is great for Colorado right now, but in the long run, he's great for a conference in the Pac-12 trying to keep pace with the others too. Let's go. Locked on Pac-12, your daily podcast on the Pac-12 conference. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Locked On Pack 12. I'm your host, Spencer McLaughlin. Thank you so much for making this your first listen or your first view of the day. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your number one source to stay up to date with our beloved Conference of Champions. Please continue to like, comment, subscribe wherever you listen to or watch this show, which today is brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs, which can help you hire qualified candidates more efficiently by matching open roles with people who have the skills, values, and experiences to help you achieve your 2023 goals. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on college terms and conditions apply. So Deion Sanders right now is thriving in the talent acquisition space for Colorado. He has them as the number three class overall in the Pac-12, factoring in the transfer portal according to the 24-7 composite rankings. And after a 1-11 season, he's probably just about the only guy that they could have hired that would have them there right now. It doesn't mean he's automatically going to be a home run success on the field because that requires a lot of different things to go your way. But him being able to acquire the level of talent that is now attractive to Boulder is great for the buffs, but also really important for the conference. And as National Signing Day has come and gone, Twice now, there's still a couple lingering recruits out there, but not really enough to to move the rankings significantly. You can look at where the Pac-12 is compared to the other conferences, as I'm about to do, and realize that the league is in a perfectly healthy and competitive spot when compared to the ACC and the Big 12. One thing I hear a lot from fans of all different sorts of backgrounds on this channel is the Pac-12's dead, the Pac-12's dying, the Pac-12 doesn't have a chance to be competitive, the Pac-12 can't do this, Pac-12 can't do that. And it's almost always negative, not, not exclusively, but it's almost always negative. But there isn't actually a lot of evidence to support the notion that the Pac-12 right now, or Pac-10 without the LA schools, is in a worse spot going forward compared to the ACC or the Big 12. And by the way, Deion Sanders does help with that in a rather significant way. So as you look around the 24-7 composite rankings for the incoming talent in 2023, Portal and High School, which was I will always refer to here on the show generally because that's just what it is now. Of the top 30 incoming overall classes in the country, The ACC has five inside the top 30. The Big 12 has two when you remove Texas and Oklahoma, who are not long for the Big 12. Now, I will apply that same standard to the pack. So take out UCLA and take out USC. And what are you left with? One, two, three, four programs that are recruiting and adding transfer talent at a top 30 level nationally in this cycle. 
That's one fewer team than the ACC and twice as many as the Big 12. And yet several people out there want to tell me that the Pac-12 doesn't have a hope to stay and compete. And Deion Sanders being at Colorado, by the way, is, is huge for the conference on that front. Let's say, just as a hypothetical, he's around for four years. That's four years that Colorado is going to at least be in the top 30. Because they're sitting, I'm pretty sure, around 29, uh, 30 in the country. Let me double check here. I'm sorry, 21. They're 21st in the country. Do you think that that is the ceiling? Or do you think that's closer to the floor? Because Deion Sanders has been there for about, I don't know, an hour and a half. And he's pulling in a top 25 overall class. Imagine what he can do with a full cycle as he'll have in 2024. Imagine what he can do if they start to win games. That could easily, easily become a top 15 recruiting place. Not a guarantee that it will, but it has the potential to become that. So you look at Colorado, you look at Utah, you look at Oregon, you look at Washington, which are the four Pac-10 schools that are in the top 30 for talent acquisition this cycle. Do any of them feel like they are destined to drop off dramatically? Not really. Dan Lanning just pulled in a top 10 class in his first cycle. Kalen DeBoer just won 11 games in his first season. Kyle Whittingham is, you know, Kyle Whittingham at Utah. And then you toss Dion's hat into the ring. That is a conference that is in a much better position nationally to keep pace with those two leagues than most people realize. And this is a drum I will continue to beat time after time after time until as many people as possible hear and understand it. Because when you look at those top four, not just as programs on the field, but also what they bring off the field in recruiting to acquire talent and sustain playing at a high level. What does the Big 12 have that the PAC does not without Oklahoma and Texas? It's TCU, it's Oklahoma State, Texas Tech, I don't know, Cincinnati. BYU feels like they'll be kind of a middle, sometimes upper, but mostly middle of the PAC team in the Big 12. I think the PAC 12 is in a much better place than people realize. And having Dion certainly helps. But if those are your top four recruiting programs, and then the the programs that are kind of overachievers in a sense are the Oregon States and Washington States of the world. And if Stanford or Arizona State, I think one of those two really becoming a consistent player in the Pac-12 would be great for the league. Yeah, you're not as deep as you would be with USC and UCLA. But that's not how how we should be determining whether or not the Pac-12 can remain competitive or remain being deemed a power five or being good enough. The Big Ten and the SEC are separating. Everybody understands that. So barring everybody 
merging into a giant super conference where you have the Big Ten and the SEC and all the other conferences cease to exist, which I don't think is particularly likely, by the way. There's a lot more to realignment than just football. Big part of it, but there's more to it than that. I think you look at where the pack is compared to the ACC that has got Clemson as its flagship program, unquestioned. Miami can recruit at a high level. I think they and Colorado are in the same space right now. They have great recruiting head coaches. The on-field results are not there yet for different reasons. Mario Cristobal maybe needs a little bit more time. Deion Sanders hasn't coached a game yet. But those two programs feel similar. But then you go down the list. And the next teams in the ACC, the Florida States, the North Carolinas, the Wake Forests of the world, is that leaps and bounds ahead of Oregon, Utah, Washington, Colorado, and and, and Oregon State in there right now? I I, I don't think that, that, that that's true at all. The, the, the prime factor helps, but it's more than just Coach Prime. When you look at the way that this league can acquire talent, the way they are acquiring talent and can continue to do in the future, I think they're in a pretty good spot. Is Nevada in a good spot? to be a Pac-12 expansion candidate. We will hear from Spencer C. McLaughlin, Esquire, to present the case for the Wolfpack after we talk about LinkedIn jobs. Because as a small business owner or hiring manager, you know that success in 2023 all depends on the team members you surround yourself with. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn jobs. With LinkedIn jobs, you can hire qualified candidates more efficiently by matching open roles with people who have the skills, values, and experiences to help you achieve your goals. LinkedIn Jobs helps you quickly attract qualified candidates to your open jobs with targeting tools. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash college. That's linkedin.com slash college to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. It is indeed that wonderful time again, where we bring in a regular guest here on the show. Counsel for the plaintiff, Your Honor, Spencer C. McLaughlin, Esquire. Ladies and gentlemen of the jury, Your Honor, members of the court, those in attendance or watching at home, I come before you representing the University of Nevada, Reno, and the case for the Wolfpack to begin howling amongst the Conference of Champions. A case brought to me by one Jason Alfonso via YouTube comments, who points out in his initial request for examination, correctly might I add, That the geographical area from Reno to Sacramento is somewhat up for grabs. That particular area and the proximity of Reno to Sacramento, which is closer than most, may already realize. Has got more homes than you think. And it is one of, though certainly not the only reason, that I urge you to consider the wolf pack. First, paint a picture in your mind of these, the continuous 48 United States. We need not worry at this time about Hawaii and Alaska. When examining this country, 
There is a hole when you look at the Pac-12 conference. Go up to Washington, Oregon below, all throughout California, swing down south to Arizona. The last round of Pacific Coast expansion came inland to Utah and Colorado, but skipped over, notably, the state of Nevada, or Nevada, if you prefer. There is a glaring hole in the middle of the geographical reach of the Pac-12, and it is an opportunity that is being left on the table. The Pac-12 already plays its football, men's and women's basketball championships in the state of Nevada. Now, far be it from for me to assume the conference could potentially add both schools in this state, UNLV and Nevada. The answer may be they can only add one, in which case I might remind you that until a down year in 2022, Nevada had compiled four consecutive winning seasons on the football field, including a 2020 campaign that saw them go 7-2. and two. The amount of winning that has taken place for the program based in Reno has far exceeded that that has existed right there in Las Vegas. The Run and Rebels football program has struggled to compete in the Mountain West consistently. Nevada on the other hand, has won more than a handful of games and far more than UNLV. Winning seasons are not something that stand out when you examine the time that the Wolfpack have spent in the Western Athletic Conference when they had football or the Mountain West. No, they do not stand out as they do for UNLV. And let's turn to another avenue of conference revenue. One of the biggest earners in the country for the NCAA, the largest, in fact, is March Madness. And the Wolfpack men's basketball team is having an exceptional 2022-23 season as I present this case to you, the jury. But it is not the only time Nevada has been relevant on the national stage. They have the energy, the passion, the potential to reach great heights, including an Elite Eight several years ago. Now, each of those units, as they're referred to, is incredibly lucrative for a conference. It is why every conference wants to put as many teams as possible into the big dance and see them as advance as far as they possibly can. Nevada is a program already capable of doing that. And should they join the Power Five ranks, could be poised to make that leap Again, competitiveness on the court need not be of concern. And if I may, I'll pivot back to football for a moment, where Nevada has been viewed by many a Pac-12 players, several of them coming from the University of Oregon, who are highly rated recruits coming out of high school, as a destination where they see fit to continue their playing careers because they are aware of the opportunity and potential afforded to them at the University of Nevada, Reno. I urge you to consider the Wolfpack and put in a missing puzzle piece 
in the jigsaw of the Pac-12. The geographical fit, the potential for athletic competition is too great to overlook. Thank you. And I yield my time. Now, those of you who have seen me do those segments before and heard from our friend, Mr. McLaughlin, Esquire, may be wondering to yourself, wait a minute, why was that so much shorter than all of the other ones? It's not by accident. The case for Nevada is very logical. It, it is inherently logical, but I started and ended, or rather, uh, Mr. McLaughlin started and ended his arguments with the geographical logicality of adding Nevada. I don't even know if that's a word, but whatever. That's about where the appeal ends. There is not a lot that Nevada has going for it other than being right there in the thick of Pac-12 country to prove that they should be a worthy expansion candidate. I don't expect them to be a serious option unless the Pac-12 were to go like absolutely bonkers outside the box and make it a 20 or 16, 20 team conference. Maybe I don't even know if they'd get into 16. I think if they were to go to 16, they'd probably look like way, way East, you know, like to Memphis or, or, some, or somebody like that, because they just don't have that many things going for them compared to the other candidates that I've talked about here on the show. Their football has had some solid years. They have been better than UNLV, but that's a low bar. That's that's aim low and achieve, man. That is way, way down. And they've only had one really good year, and that was with Colin Kaepernick, and they were in the whack. Now, Boise State was there as well. But other than that, they have not had a 10-win season since, and that was in 2010. Academically, they're similar to UNLV. Athletically, from a financial standpoint, I did some digging on that front. They're also pretty similar to UNLV, except UNLV pretty clearly, I, I think, has better facilities. And look, from a fan base standpoint, neither one is blowing you away. But there aren't a lot of differentiating factors that would make you lean towards Nevada over UNLV, which I know some people are not wild about. But if you were, you're only going to add one school from Nevada unless you're going to, you know, an 18 team conference or something like that, which is probably what Nevada would need in order to, to get legitimate consideration here is they would need an 18 team conference. And I just, I really, really doubt that, that that's coming down the pipeline. But if you're only going to add one school from the state just to get into the state of Nevada, you're going to add UNLV because they're right there. In Las Vegas, bigger TV market, bigger upside, more recruiting potential. The the facilities and institutional commitment to athletics right now for Nevada are just not at the Power Five level the way that they are for places like SMU and San Diego State, who are kind of the consensus top two options for the league to add. There could be more for sure. There are other possibilities. We talked about a number of them on the show. I will continue to examine. Going to get to Tulane and Rice later in the week because someone wants to hear about that, and they present a really interesting case. But Nevada right now just hasn't prioritized athletics enough institutionally or financially to show that they are ready to make that jump to the Power Five, and they don't bring elite enough academics to to the table as well. They're not bad, but they're just kind of 
there, right? It's not a, a huge identifying characteristic for their school. So though intriguing, and I thank you for the question, Jason, hope you're seeing this or listening to it right now, but it, it is not something that is uh, likely to come to pass. Going forward, the Pac-12, I, I talked about this earlier, needs other schools from a football standpoint to continue to invest, continue to recruit, continue to win at a high level, play big game, do all that sort of stuff. A fascinating question about the Bay Area schools. After I tell you about a fascinating concept, which is that you might not have yet checked out Built Bars. I don't know what you're doing there because they're a delicious treat that give you all the taste but don't give you all the calories, 130 calories, four grams of sugar, 17 grams of protein. They're delicious. They're filling covered hundred percent real chocolate and they come in incredible flavors like churro, peanut butter, brownie, coconut, almond. My personal favorite is mint brownie. There are a bunch of great ones. You can get yours now at built.com or you can go to your local Walmart or Sam's Club. If you're close to Sam's Club, run in, grab a 13-bar box with our hit flavors, brownie batter and churro. You can thank me later. Go get your latest order of Built Bars today. A fascinating question here from Paul Schmidt. And if any of you ever want a question answered, I've got a bunch that I'm trying to get to. I've got a little bit of a backlog in the mailbag, which I absolutely love. We got from now until September until football is back. Ask as many questions as you want, and I will always get to them here on the show. YouTube comments, Twitter at Smalls underscore 55 or at LO underscore Pac-12. Paul Schmidt, can you count on Stanford and California to still be interested in major college athletics? This is an interesting question. It's possible that the binding glue in this conference was USC, and without them, there's no reason to worry about continuing the conference, but I'll put it this way. Oregon might be better off independent or hybrid independent than in a conference that isn't getting what the Big Ten or SEC gets. Let me address the second part there. Oregon would not be better off as an independent. Figuring out TV contracts and then bringing in the requisite amount of money compared to what you were earning in a conference, no matter what that conference is, is not an endeavor I expect Oregon to undertake. And I don't think financially, even for what has been the most watched team in the Pac-12 over the last decade or so, it's it's enough to where they could survive as an independent. I I, I don't think that's something that they would consider that'd be a crushing blow to the Pac-12 if they did not worried about that at, at all was USC the binding glue I guess we're going to find out how much that notion is true I think they were a major player on the TV side athletically for football they brought a lot to the table for sure but I do think the conference can be sustained without them but it's that first question I'm most intrigued by can you count on Stanford and Cal to still be interested in major college athletics. Consistently at a high level, maybe not. They are proud academic institutions, and that can limit your upside for talent acquisition. And everybody else is going up and up like this. Stanford and Cal feel like they're getting left in the dust a little bit here. And you know, even compared to other places where it's tough to recruit, like Washington State or Oregon State, they can go out and add a DJ Uyunglele. 
Stanford and Cal, for the most part, cannot. Now, Cal did add Sam Jackson, but they can't go get any sort of player. And they don't have the program pedigree to be in the running for them in the portal either. Going forward, they're not going to give up on athletics. I think the question is whether or not one of them can perform consistently at a high level. Basketball, man, it feels like a dire situation unless you're talking uh, about the women's side, in which case Stanford is elite. But football, we'll, we'll see what Troy Taylor does. I think he's got a really tough task in front of him, and he needs to be given time. But I think that is easily the most valuable brand in the Pac-12 that's down right now that the league, once the LA schools depart, would like to get back towards the top. If you have an upper echelon in your conference of Oregon, Washington, Utah, Colorado with Deion Sanders and Stanford, and then Oregon State's in the mix and Washington State and Arizona State are right that If that's your top eight, I don't think it matters what the bottom four is. Because if those places do what they're capable of, you'll be in good shape. But can both Stanford and Cal ever be at the top of the conference? It feels like that's just not likely. Can they win? Yes. But I think Stanford has got a greater potential of the two. It, it, it's a fascinating conversation. I might have to I might have to put put some more thought into that and re-examine tomorrow. Cause yeah, let's 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 call it there for today. But tune in for more thoughts on that tomorrow. Appreciate everyone listening. See you next time. Have a wonderful rest of your day.